Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. I'm Anita Kelly and my guest today is Tony Logan. Hey, Tony. Hey, Anita. How are you today? I am well. How are you? Doing good. Oh, Doing very good. good, actually. The weather out here is pretty nice lately. Oh, where are you? Phoenix, the oh. Phoenix area. Uh, so we're in low 70s. Uh, this is the time of year to be here. I guess. Yeah. You know, for some reason, uh, on my laptop today, the Phoenix weather was coming through <laughs> instead of the I am on the East Coast where it was uh, it kept registering as like 56 in Phoenix. Oh. And uh, yeah. it was like 26 here. I was like, that cannot be. <laughs> it, it was the weirdest thing so that's so weird that you're from phoenix yeah. yeah yeah so so i'm glad you're staying warm and toasty uh nice nice warm and toasty here awesome yes. glad glad to hear that so thank you so much for being with us today um, absolutely i wanted to talk with you about um your most recent release right which was called gia's gems um, GS Gems is my most recent, yeah. Yeah, that came out in just this past November, correct? November 1st, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it sure did. All right. Can you tell um, tell us about it? Yeah, GS Gems is about a woman named Gia, and she had a really bad breakup. And the breakup kind of caused her to turn into like a bit of an introvert. So she, she works from home. So she then started having like all of her food delivered and she does her morning yoga through YouTube. And she took on this kind of agoraphobic lifestyle. She was, you know, feeling sorry for herself and everything. And her friend, her best friend, Stacy, has a job where she goes out to these small towns for her job. And she sends Gia's back all these pictures going, come on, you know. You, you can do it. Get your life back together. Look at look at what I'm doing. And she's telling her all about these like little gems, these like little gay gems that she has has found out in all these little towns. So one night she has had um, a little too much of an adult beverage and she decides for a joke she was going to Photoshop herself into Stacy's pictures. And then she wrote this like little three page article about her adventures instead of Stacy's adventures. And she sent it off as a joke. And Stacy, her best friend, really got a kick out of it. And she knew somebody at the um, lesbian online site, L Online. And she sends it off to them, hoping that Gia might get uh, some writing gigs out of it. Well, they fell in love with it, and they want to publish it. And at first, Gia's like, well, we can't. It's, it's fake. And then they decide, why not? It, let's just make it a one-off. You know, what What harm could it do? We'll just publish it. Gia can get a writing credit, and now she's a published writer. Well, fast forward five years later, and it's, it's a hit. She's got this huge fan base. She's doing mainstream stuff. But she's, it's still fake. She's still living this same lifestyle. Yeah. And then the other character is Lindsay. So Lindsay it lives in this very, very, very small Midwestern town, and she's a total fan, total fan of Gia's Gems. She finds out through a chain of events that it is fake, that Gia doesn't really visit these places. So uh, she doesn't know what to do about this information. So she talks to her best friend and her best friend says, look, I'll tell you what to do. L blackmail her and have her come out to our town. We're kind of hurting and she can write her next Gia's Gems article on this town. 
tell her she has to do that or else she'll expose her. And Lindsay's like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. She's like, yeah, you know, do it for the town kind of thing. So she sends off this email to Gia and um, basically blackmailing her. Says you got to come to this town for one week and then write your next article. So it forces Gia. So Gia, of course, you know, she's got to do it or else she's going to be exposed. She goes to this small town, gets her out of the bubble. Very uncomfortable being out of her bubble. But the the, the story kind of takes place in this quirky little town where she's got this blackmail kind of hanging over her. And then her whole interaction with Lindsay and, and some of the other uh, secondary characters. So it's 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 cute. It's it's written to be very cute. Yeah, it sounds it. It sounds cute. <laughs> oh, that's great. And yeah. And um, where did you come up with the name Gia? When I when I think of Gia, I think of uh, what's her name? Gia. Uh, I always I, I always mispronounce her last name, but she was a uh, a model. She was like one of the first lesbian oh, models. Yeah, there was a, a movie. Yeah, out about that. Oh, that was yeah. I don't. I don't know her last name, but yes, you're right. She died of AIDS or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she did. She was. A, she did. She was a substance user. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Actually, we went. Uh, she she's buried uh, very near my home, and and we went to see her grave. Uh, really? Yeah. And one of her first girlfriends uh who was in the entertainment field um uh is on instagram and every every year at the time of her death she posts something on instagram Aww. about her yeah yeah it's wow. so nice yeah yeah, yeah but yeah that's a sad story but that's who i think of uh, yeah it's a great name i wanted i wanted the letters to i wanted uh, two letters that were the same and so when I was talk when I was thinking about like the gems of these smaller towns, G gems, and I had to come up with a name. So I Google, you know, names that start with G. Okay. <laughs> and, and Gia came up. It was it was completely like out of the blue. And I thought, okay, that that kind of has a little bit of a, a rhyme to it. So I'll go with that. Yeah, it sounds good together. It sounds yeah. like a great story. It it sounds like a really fun story. Fun, fun, lighthearted. Oh, yes. That's great. That's yeah, awesome. Right. So, so that is not your first published work, right? No, no. Actually, Share the Moon, that came out in February of last year. That uh -huh. was my first published. Okay. Yeah. And that, and that was February of, of 21? Yes, February of 21. Okay. Yeah. All right, great. And, and what is that about? Um, it's about uh, a group of friends who um, they own this struggling vineyard up in Northern California. The one actually inherits it from her aunt. And so now you've got these three friends together trying to make it work. And it just so happens that there's a ghost on the property. Her name <laughs> is Ruth. And she's been there for like 100 years. And she's funny. She's quirky. She's flawed. And she's she's kind of like just a real person. She just happens to be a ghost. And she she's kind of checking out what's going on at this old Victorian house that overlooks the vineyard that all that this group of friends lives at. And and she presents herself to them and they end up kind of befriending her and a relationship forms with one of the with one of the friends on that one uh, with Jamie. And so they have, uh, obviously, they have some issues because the one is a ghost. But it's kind of fun. 
because she really kind of uh, mingles with them very well. And she's got a backstory. So through her backstory, you realize how she became a ghost on the land. And then you have the whole backstory of the land kind of as a character. And so now you've got these these three women in the house and Ruth the ghost. And they're all trying to make this vineyard work. And there's these backstories about the land in Northern California and, and trying to grow grapes and, you know, issues with like drought and fire and everything else. And that's awesome. I mean, I know she's a ghost, but she it's a fun story. It's it's a it's a fun story as well. Oh, it sounds like so, another fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah, that... yeah. She's not a horrible ghost or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you would say you're into more lighthearted romances? Yes. Oh, yes, very much so. It's what I like to read. Okay. So it's what I write. Okay. And what about um is the marriage masquerade is that yours also marriage masquerade is mine that was the second published novel yeah okay that was that was this august yeah well you had one heck of a year 2021 (laughs) didn't you (laughs) i did i did i didn't have much of a social life last year at all so yeah yeah three three were published last year wow that's fantastic and did you write them all like right away or had you had them written and, and just were saving them up? Share the Moon was, uh, I, I wrote that. It, that one took a while to write and that was the one that I sent to Bold Strokes. So that, so that first publication, you know, had already been written years before. But then I sent Sandy, you know, Sandy allows us to send in proposals and everything. And I had two ideas. And I kind of sent her these two ideas thinking, oh, just pick one. And she she said, yeah, we'll go with both of them. And I was like, oh, OK, great. <laughs> so then I right. So then I had to write marriage. So they wanted to go with marriage masquerade first. They like the whole fake marriage. Mm-hmm. So um, so I wrote that one first really fast, sent that off. And then when that was going through edits and everything else, I was uh, I was working GS Gems. Yeah. Wow. So uh, Marriage Masquerade is another fun, quirky kind of romance, right? Yes, it is. That's awesome. That's great. And so three in one year, that's really, I'll say, unusual for someone who's just uh, new to the publishing world. Um, You know, that's yeah, that's really awesome, though. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was stressful. Because it takes a lot of time, but and I, and I'm learning the craft as I'm writing. So like the edits would come back on Share the Moon as I'm writing Marriage Masquerade, and then I realize all the mistakes that I made in Marriage Masquerade. <laughs> I was writing, and I was able to go back and edit, and it was it was quite a process. But with you know with COVID, my vacations were canceled, everything was canceled, so I just hunkered in yeah. and got it done. Yeah. yeah. So throughout all this at, at one point what point did you start to really refer to yourself as an author or writer um the first time i really thought i was an author was the day bold stroke sends out uh, a box of your books mm-hmm. the, you know box day and i remember so there it was on the front porch i opened it up and the first time that i actually held a novel, the novel in my hand. Like there I am, oh. there's my name, there's the cover. I can fan through the pages. It was real. And that's when I thought, wow, 
you know, I'm kind of real now. I'm, I'm an author. It's not just words on a computer screen. It's, it's real. I can, I can give this to my friends. I can put it on a bookshelf. And so at that point, prior to that, I, I didn't really, I, you know, even when I signed with Bold Strokes, mm-hmm. I considered myself a writer, but not necessarily an author until I could show something for that title. Okay. And so, yeah, it was great. I mean, when you hold it for the first time, you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like my baby. That's your baby. That's yeah. exactly right. Uh, yeah. That's fantastic. And and for our listeners who may not know, Box Day is the day that the authors receive uh, a box of their book that is being published that particular yeah. month, right? That's correct. You get it so like... Um, Share the Moon came out February 1st. So mid-January, I got the box with the books in it. Yeah, that's so cool. Good Yeah, for you. it's a nice perk. Yeah. So when did you first realize, hey, I, I want to write. This is what I want to do. Um, wow, that's kind of a windy road. <laughs> when I was, you know, when I was a kid, I was in the movies so I wanted to write and direct my own movie. That was my, my goal. I was I, I had it in my head. That's what I was going to be when I grew up, so a writer-director. Did, did you say you were in the movies? No, I, I liked Oh, movies. you liked the movies. Okay. Yeah. I, so it wasn't really a reader. I mean, I would read books, but I was really, really, really into movies, uh-huh. into film. So when I can, wanted to be a writer, it was a writer of films. I wanted to be the puppeteer of my own film. I was going to write it. I was going to direct it. So as I, as I got older, I studied screenwriting. Okay. And so I wrote a bunch of screenplays. I wrote screenplays of movies, kids' movies, adult movies, and teleplays of uh, a kids' educational show and some adult shows that that I thought would be really cool, you know, if they ever made it to uh, a television series. Mm-hmm. And I ended up uh, going, moving over to Los Angeles and actually working in the Hollywood industry. So while I was out there, I'm shopping my my uh, screenplays to the studios and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of really nice and positive feedback but nothing ever really hit. And so a friend of mine worked for Disney at the time. And she said, you know, the studios right now are kind of buying up books. And then they're making them into movies. You should write a book. And then maybe you can get into like that Hollywood scene through the back door, through a book. And uh-huh. I thought, well, there you go. I'll write a book. So I was into kids stuff a lot. So I wrote a middle grade kids book where the main character is 12 years old. And then I sent that out to mainstream agents because when you go down the mainstream road, you have to solicit an agent. Then you have to get an agent first and then the agent solicits a publisher. So just because you might get an agent, it's there's no guarantee that your book's going to be published. Okay. It's kind of a one two punch. So I got online. And I went through all the websites and I looked at all the agents that handled middle grade books. And then you go to their submission guidelines and and you follow everything. And I sent those off. And then, of course, I got, you know, all the the rejection letters and everything that came in. 
But in in those, there were a few where the agent actually took some time and said, hey, hey, you're on to something. You've got something here. Change the voice around. Change this. You know, do a little tweaking, etc." So I thought, OK, 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 I'll you know, maybe I'll change the, the, the boy to a girl. I'll change the character and then I'll go from writing first person to writing third person. And so I ended up rewriting that story like three times over trying to find the right puzzle piece for it and second guessing myself, of course, the whole way. And then another friend of mine said to me, you know, you're always reading lesbian romance. Why don't you write something that you read, write what you read? And I go, well, there you go. (laughs) I'll write that. So I dusted off an old screenplay about a group of friends that went to Northern California and, and bought this old vineyard and because the L word, I was really influenced at the L word at times. So I wanted a group of, of women together in like the same setting and then have like all of like the drama and these all all these stories kind of based off of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I dusted that off and sat down, changed it, tweaked it, wrote Share the Moon and sent that off to Bold Strokes. Wow. What a yeah. story. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was, uh, I took like the scenic group because I know a lot of the authors, you know, go up through like the fanfic. Yeah, yeah. I do. never did that. I just kind of, I, I don't know, I, I I took the squiggly road yeah. to get to the destination. Yeah, that's so, great though. That's yeah. a great story. Fantastic. So um, what, for you, right, Tony, yep. what, what is the most difficult part of the whole writing process? editing is it hands down that's editing for me for me it is because when I write I write in a big picture kind of way so I've got the story in my head I've got the plot in my head I've got the ending in my head so I'm writing and I'm going through everything and I'm checking the dialogue does the dialogue make sense does it sound real how's the plot moving what is the flow of this so it's it's more just big picture Mm -hmm. then I send the manuscript off I get it back from my editor and it's like, oh yeah, the commas. Oh, I, (laughs) (laughs) I changed my point of view halfway through a scene. Oh yeah, that. And so she brings my focus in more narrow and uh, that's, that's hard for me because that's a different way to look at the story. And that's not the way I kind of tend to, to get into the book at the beginning when I write which is good. I mean, because then I'm learning the craft. I'm learning more of the structure part of the craft and, and pay attention, pay attention to the to the point of view, pay attention to the, the structure of the, the grammar and everything. So that that's hard for me. And then as I'm as I am editing, you know, Barbara is my editor. So when I'm getting her comments back and I'm making this in, in sections of the story then I have to go back and, and go, wait, where was the character in her head at that time? What was going on? So I'm always like going backwards to go forward to do the edits. And it's a it's kind of a choppy process for me, but it's a, it's a good process. Yeah. But it's the hardest for me because it's like, you know, right, telling a story is like easy. You know, you just throw up words on a page kind of in the editing part of it is when you kind of have to go and clean it up a bit. Yeah. So. You know, you are... 
uh, not the first writer who has said that editing <laughs> kind of just stinks for them. Like they, they do not enjoy that. And I, 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 and just listening to you talk about it, I can totally, like, I have this, I guess, picture of, you know, uh, an author writing. It's like, you know, you're creating, you're artsy, yeah. and then this editor comes in and says, oh, wait, you got to do this, you got to do that. <laughs> and so they're like throwing all these like technical aspects of writing at you when, you know, you're more concerned with just kind of the free flow of it, you know? Exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how editing would be even kind of frustrating. Yeah, it is at times. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's it's the process, but it's not my favorite. Yeah. Of- yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um f- what comes first for you then? Uh is it the plot or the characters? Like when you're the thinking plot. of a story, a plot comes first? Mhm. And- Absolutely the plot. I have to set the stage before I cast the characters. Okay. Absolutely. I have to have the plot in my head. I, I'll go through like the beginning, the middle and the end. And I'll turn that over and over and over before I bring in the characters. Absolutely. Okay. So um, in Gia's Gem, for instance, um, you had this whole concept of, of how you wanted to, you know, the, the whole storyline. And yep. then you brought in Gia and, yep. and her friend, Lindsay. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly correct. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah. And um, has it ever, any one of your stories ever gone the other way where you had these characters that were kind of talking to you and you're like, yeah, we got to get them in this a story? Yeah, actually, um, editing the book that is going to be released in August. And that one, that's called Perfectly Matched. And that one, kind of the character came first on that. And then the story kind of revolved around her. So um, Perfectly Matched is actually mm-hmm. uh, your soon-to-be-released book. Soon-to-be-released, yeah. Um, okay, so can you can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's about Hannah, and she's a Cupid. And so, I mean, she's not just a Cupid. She's like the best Cupid. She can split a pea from 100 yards out. I mean, this woman never misses her mark. And so she's out performing her Cupid duties and she's got to She's got to put her arrows in these would be lovers in Las Vegas. I take them to Las Vegas in a TV station. And so she's like, great, you know, would be lovers. That's easy. One, two, one, two. So she puts the arrow in the first lover in the first mark. She turns to, to hit the other one. And the woman looks up and that's Payson. And she looks up and Hannah becomes like totally enchanted with her and so much so that she becomes distracted. And so by the time she lets the arrow go, it misses, it completely misses her. And she's like, Oh my God. So now she's got to fix her mistake because you, she has 72 hours to get these two to kiss or else the magic in the arrow that she hit the first mark with will dissipate, but it has a binding spell in it. So if the two kiss, Within 72 hours, then, you know, then they're off, they're in love, that's their destiny. So she puts aside her Cupid duties, and she takes a job as a temp under Payson at this TV station in Vegas. And now all she's got to do, her whole role there is to get these two to kiss. (laughs) But while she's trying to get them to kiss, 
she falls in love with Payson. And so now she's got to make a decision. If uh, she follows her heart, she can't perform like her Cupid duties and get these guys together in their destiny. So, so anyway, therein lies the conflict. Wow. And other stuff that comes up. But the Cupid, I wanted to, a Cupid first. Okay. In that one. Okay. Yeah. So the character came first, and then you were like, all right, first. how can I work around a Cupid? You betcha. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that sounds like a, another fun. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, romantic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And that, that comes out in August of this year. Yep. August of this year. That's okay, correct. Great. And um, are you working on anything currently? Well, right now I'm doing the edits for uh, Perfectly Matched. And I am working on, um, wow, I'm working on an erotica. Okay. Um, so it's, an, it's a novella. Yeah, okay. so that that'll be that'll be next after Perfect Match. Wow! So a little different than just fun, lighthearted. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> what what made you decide to step out of your comfort zone? I had an idea that just kept tingling inside, and I thought, you know, and it was an idea of these cards. I just I kept seeing in my head these playing cards, and I wanted to make a story around these playing cards and the cards are original so each card has a um a painting on it that this author made this deck or i'm sorry this artist made this deck of cards and she ended up having um uh she was actually here we go in vegas again she was in <laughs> vegas for an art show right uh-huh. she was in vegas for an art show and she had um, uh, an affair with this with this person. She had a relationship with her, but it was short-lived. She was only there for an art show. And she had she painted this beautiful deck of cards of their time together. Oh. And so she gives her the cards, but she takes back the queen of hearts. She says, the next time we're together, we'll reunite the queen with the deck. And so the woman manages this hotel. And it's called Hotel Fantasy. And Hotel Fantasy is about each room is its own theme. Mm -hmm. So a couple can come and say, oh, you know, we met in Paris and we'd like to revisit that and kind of get the spark back in our relationship. So then they create the room to, to be like the Paris cafe that they met. Or it can be also erotic. Mm-hmm. You know, with like a dungeon theme or or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so one day as she's at the front desk, <clears throat> you know, she's the woman that has the cards. One day at the front desk, this woman, the stranger comes in. She checks into a room and she says, um, I want the deck of cards. And the woman's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she whips out the queen of hearts. And the woman's like, oh, my gosh, how did you get the queen of hearts? And she says, I'll tell you over a game of cards. And so therein lies the rest of the book. Oh, wow. So, and, and the game of cards is, you know, since they're all done up in very sensual pictures, the game of cards actually picks kind of the, the erotica theme of what happens between these two. And I had that in my head. I really wanted a deck of cards that kind of dictated the play of the story. Okay. And so the best way to play that was not so much romance, but more erotica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, so, I can see that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so anyway, so then that went down, that went down that road. Okay. So, so you're yeah. still working on that and that's due out when? I don't, they, no okay. date yet. Okay. No date on that. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah. So, um, you've told us that editing is like the most <laughs> difficult part of the writing process. So what, what is the most enjoyable part of it for you? I'm going to say when, when I finally have that tingle of an idea, Ah, right before I put everything down where something hits me kind of like like that deck of cards and then it's like I can't let that go I can't let that thought go and it becomes like a a Rubik's Cube in my brain and I turn it and I turn it and I turn it and it starts when I have that that tingle and and that idea just starts to kind of build within my my head and it it just becomes all consuming it you know i take it to bed with me i wake up with it i can hear the characters i'm constantly moving it in my head trying to give it life trying to you know build off of it it's exciting i mean i love that because you know there's a story there i mean there's something to it you just need to kind of figure out how to how to get it down and, and where it goes from the beginning, the middle and the end. But uh, yeah, that is my favorite process is figuring out what the story is and then working it before I start to put it down, really working it in my head. That's great. That that yeah. sounds exciting, right? It, that the whole process does. Like it's like yeah. a, a new toy or something that just, <laughs> you know, gets in your blood and you can't let it go. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fun. So, um, Tony, what, what do you do when you're not writing? Work. I have a day job. Okay. So, yeah, and that consumes most of my waking hours. So when I'm not writing, I'm working. But then, you know, after work, I, I write, or I'm sorry, I write in the morning. So I'll get up early and I'll write for a couple hours to try to get my work count in. And then basically it's, it's work. It's, it's my day job. For the rest of the day into the evening and then I go to the gym you know I stopped going to the gym with COVID and because I'm at a desk all day staring at the computers I, I'm really making it a point now that every evening I go to the gym and, and move my body and then beyond that I like to hike I love lunches and dinners with friends I putts in the yard especially now that it's so beautiful but um but I got I got to get back out in you know vacation mode once everything comes down a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of my life right now. Okay. Yeah, Not- it, it is tough with COVID. It was tough to get out and move and just you know, uh, be with friends and enjoy life and and it was. you know just when you know I we thought things were going in the right direction. Uh, you know, we had another variant take over and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So lots of, lots, lot, a lot more hospitalizations. Um, a lot, yeah. a lot. And my day job is I work for a healthcare conglomerate. Okay. So it, uh, when COVID hit, they're like, okay, you're going to be putting in extra hours and we're going to get through this. It'll probably only be two weeks or so. So we went from the office to home and I worked and worked and worked and you know what? It hasn't stopped. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's the uh, same thing. I, I started working from home like, you know, March of 2019 was no 2020. And uh, yeah, have not been back to the office since. 
I know. And I, and I don't, we don't, you know, we kept sending out the company that I work for kept sending out all these memos, you know, back to work memos. And then the last one, they said, yeah, we're not going to send those anymore. We, we just don't know. We yeah. don't know if you guys are ever coming back. So yeah, yeah. That's, it's interesting. I know it? it is. It's kind it's just, it's just bizarre. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just bizarre. Like uh, I never would have thought that I would have lived through something like this. You know? I know, man, no kidding. And the fact that it's not ending. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I was saying like during the, the first pandemic, right during the um, first world war, like, do we really know when it ended? Do we really know? Because, like, we didn't have, uh, you know, the, the technology we have today. We didn't have, like, the um, immediate, um, you know, access to other countries and other people to know what was happening with them. So, so maybe this was going on for a while and we just never even knew it. Oh, that's a good point. I that's true. Know. I don't know. But... Yeah, I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> so, um, when when you are writing, like I mm -hmm. heard you say that you get up in the morning and you yeah. write and you try to get your word count. So you give yourself like a day, daily quota. Um, yeah, I try to write between five hundred and a thousand words a day. Okay, so that's that's what I try to write. And then there's some days where I don't write at all where I'm just so busy with work and life that I just can't fit it in. But I definitely write in the mornings when my brain is fresh and before, you know, before the day unfolds. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and when you're in that writing mode, like, um, do you tend to put other activities on the back burner? Like if you really get into a story and, you know, you're just kind of going for it and, and, you know, you're at that place, uh, you know, where, where you're, um, you know, the romance beats where you're, you know, in that arc, uh, in that center arc, like, do you put out other things on the back burner or do you just kind of live your life and, and keep writing, you know, in the morning or how does that go for you? No, I'll, I'll put things on the back burner. Really <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the rest of my life suffers. If I'm really feeling it, I, you know, I, I will turn down dinners and lunches with friends. I will even put off as much as I can my work stuff and make it up like maybe later that night. If I'm really in the flow, yeah. I want to stay in that flow. Yeah, I could understand that. Yeah, definitely. And just the way you talked about, you know, when you got this you know, idea that you, you just had to start writing and how exciting it was. I just couldn't imagine you like kind of putting that, uh, you know, like, um, secondary to anything else. So that's great. Yeah. You don't that it, you, you, you really have to, I always, when I'm in that flow, I always say that I'm, I'm, I'm just taking notes. Everything's going on in my head. You hear the characters you know, you can kind of see the scene shift and stuff like that. And I'm just I'm just taking notes on the computer. Yeah. So it's it's a great kind of um, zone to be in. And I don't want to break it when I'm in it. I don't want to break it because then there's other times when I'm writing where I just am not in the zone. I'm not feeling it. And I'm just like pulling the words yeah. from from my head. And that's yeah, that's not good. That's not fun. That's not fun. <laughs> 
So do your family and friends read your your works before they go out? My family does not. Um, my parents have passed, and I have two brothers, and they're not readers. And even if they were, this is this is not their cup of tea uh, yeah. at all. Okay. So I turn to my um, friends, you know, my friend family, for that. And okay. I have a few that I bounce everything off of, and then they 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 read it ahead of time, and then they read it like almost even like during the edits. And then I give them the book in the end uh, so they can see how it's changed and how it's evolved and everything. And they give me their feedback. They're really good about that. So and it it has influenced, you know, some of uh, some of the direction I've taken with some of the stories. Yeah. So, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's what what friends are for. right? Yeah. Right. So. (laughs) So, Tony, do you have any like little writing quirks that you're willing to share with us? You know, I. I, I don't. No, okay. I, I don't have. I have a routine. Uh huh. But um, I don't have quirks. Like I, it has to be totally quiet. Okay. When I write, mm-hmm. I'm definitely a morning writer, and I make. So when I get up in the morning, I feed the cats and stuff like that. I'll make a pot of coffee, and then I sit down. So I like to write when it's totally quiet, sipping on my coffee. So I'm getting into the zone at that point. And, and that is definitely my routine. So you don't have like a special hat you wear or no. have to have a drink or a cigar <laughs> hanging out of your mouth. Or... No. <laughs> I'm no just thinking of the old time. Yeah, the old time reporters, you know, <laughs> sitting there clacking <laughs> away on their typewriter. There you go. Okay. It's a great vision, but no, not my reality. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, Tony, do you have any parting words for our listeners today? Um, yeah, I just, I want to thank all the listeners out there who support this podcast and who also continue to support their favorite authors, because it's really because of that support that we have a platform for our voice. And, uh, through that, we can continue to represent the community through our art. So I really, I want to, I want to thank everybody out there. Amen, sister. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yep, our our listeners are uh, a loyal bunch. They really are. Yeah. Yep, and I I find that uh, you know readers of um, LGBT you know fiction um, are a loyal bunch also. So that's that's really awesome. Um, so Tony, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, Thanks, Anita. I really, really enjoyed it. Good. I did, too. It's great talking to you. Um, And uh, I hope things stay warm out there for you. (laughs) And, uh, you know, this pandemic is over soon. There you go. Yeah. We can all hope for the best. Yep, definitely. So, again, Tony um, Logan is our guest today. And uh, check out her uh, book's they are available through Bold Stroke Books um, or on Amazon or wherever you buy your books, right? That's right. Okay. Yes. All right. So, Tony Logan, thanks again. And uh, that's all the time we have. Thanks for joining Liz Talk About Books, baby. And until next time, may your journey be lighthearted and peace be plenty. Thanks, folks. <laughs>